The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. I want to say thank you uh, to all those that, that gave, whether it was monetarily or you gave food um, towards the food bank. Um, it's so fun, again, setting goals and trying to meet those goals. And um, again, I know in partnership with the Marysville Community Food Bank that those that are going to be recipients of what we were able to give, um, that that's a big deal and they appreciate it. So thank you so much for your generosity. Um, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 9 today. So if you got a Bible with you, I encourage you to turn there. It's kind of left uh, towards the beginning a little ways. Uh, if you go Psalms kind of towards the middle and go left, um, Samuel Kings and Chronicles are right there in a row, um, and uh, we're going to land there in a second. I've explained to you not a few times how one of my greatest struggles with patience um, is with driving. Is anybody else on the same page as I am with that? Yeah, and I'm going to multiply that by 10 because some of you don't want to raise your hands. But anyway, um, well, we don't exactly live where roads are super clear, and, and uh, it's, it gets a little crazy sometimes. It's, you could turn a corner and not expect traffic, and all of a sudden there's traffic, and um, it can be uh, daunting. But the first report I want to give you is this. I'm doing a ton better, and uh, I can't remember the last time I had any, any incident that was uh, a problem. Anyway, but uh, one thing I've noticed, and that's my second report, is this. I've been in a long line of cars before, and um, somebody's trying to merge in, so I create space for them, and they merge in, and they give a wave, and I give a wave, and we live happily ever after, okay? And then, here's the crazy side of it, I've also been in a long line of cars, and somebody's trying to merge in, and I create space for that person, and they merge in, and there's no wave, And what happens is inside of me, I get all frustrated because I'm thinking, don't they know I let them in? Are they not grateful that I let them in? And and it sounds crazy, but um, I I think about like, what is that? I don't mean the non-waiver, but like inside of me. And what I think it is, is it's pride. I can't just do something nice without something else needing to acknowledge that I did something nice, which means this, I'm not actually a nice person. It may not be driving specific, but the truth is I believe all of us, every one of us can relate to this conversation. Maybe it's this, that you send a gift to somebody and, and you, know, you don't hear anything back and you wonder like, I mean, did you even get it? Do you even care you know, th- that I gave it? Or um, you open a door for somebody and they're so busy, they just kind of walk right through and you're like, oh, hey, yeah, you're welcome. But anyways, have a good day. You know, or maybe it's this. You make meals for individuals and wash bed sheets and pay for heat and live as a personal Uber driver and provide registration fees for extracurricular activities and buy toys and provide a personal counselor and band-aids and free hugs and the list goes on and on and on and our kids are never as appreciative as, appreciative as we expect them to be. Can I hear an amen on that one? So we all, I think, can relate, but have you ever been on the receiving end of a kind gesture or a word of encouragement or or a sacrifice from someone and not expressed gratitude? And the simple, honest answer, I think, for all of us at times is yes. That somebody's done something kind or nice or whatever for us, and, and in our busyness of life or forgetfulness or whatever we want to excuse it for, we don't stop and express 
gratitude. And today, I want to look at kind of a unique story in Scripture where we see this conversation about gratitude, and, and it happens in a very unusual way. And that's where we end up in 2 Samuel chapter 9, if you're there. We'll get to that in just a second. But the backstory of this text is this. Saul was the first king in the nation of Israel, and God put him in that place. And then Saul began to do things that God was like, I told you not to do that. I told you you shouldn't, you know, whatever. And there came a point where there was like this breaking moment with the Lord where it's like, all right, you know what? I'm, I'm done with him being king. It's time for a new king. And there was a prophet named Samuel that was sent to the house of Jesse that ends up anointing David to be the next king of Israel. Well, as time goes on, you know, David kind of gains favor with Saul and ends up being even in his household at times. Of course, there's a story of David and Goliath. Well, what happens with David is little by little, people more and more like like David and, and, and appreciate his leadership and he wins battles for Saul and all this stuff. And Saul becomes jealous. Saul even gets wind of this is maybe going to be the next king. And at one point, he's so furious that there's a, a litany of passion to have David killed. And so he's trying to kill David and, and, and this goes on and on. They're not on great terms. Well, as, as time goes on, one of the things you got to know is that Saul has a son named Jonathan. Now, in a monarchy, if the king dies in, in lineage, it would be like the firstborn you know, son becomes the next king. So Jonathan would be the next king. Here's the thing though, Jonathan and David became really great friends and Jonathan even realized, and they both had a fear of the Lord, Jonathan even realized he's not going to be the next king that David was going to be and, and honestly, he was okay with it. He, he uh, at one point, David's saying, Saul's trying to kill me. Your dad is trying to kill me. And Jonathan's like, no, he's not until he realizes, you know what? You're right. He is trying to kill you. And Jonathan helps David escape a couple of different times. It gets so heated that at one point, Saul realizes that Jonathan is taking David's side and helping him escape. And he's like, don't you realize that that is the threat to the throne, that you will never be king because of this? And, and Jonathan is loyal to David. Well, in the course of time, again, there's battles that go on and there's surrounding nations that they go to war with. But one of the ongoing battles that they faced was with the Philistines. And at one point, making a long story short, the Philistines are, are going to, are, are at war with the Israelites and Saul and his sons are out at the battle and Saul and his sons die in this battle. Okay, so fast forward, and, and again, little by little, David's been gaining momentum. Well, David ends up becoming king. He's crowned king, and, and over a period of time, the nations are subdued. Saul is king over the whole nation of Israel, and there's a time of peace. During this time of peace is where we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 9, where David is literally stopping to reflect on all that's happened in his life and realizes he needs to take action. It says in 2 Samuel 9, starting at verse 1, David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There's still a son of Jonathan. His, he is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Makir, son of Emil, in Lodabar. 
So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Machir, son of Emil. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. Now, let me stop right there just for a second and say, I've been working on this name Mephibosheth all week because I want to make sure I'm not stumbling all over. You know, like red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, or whatever. So, so everybody do me a favor, and on the count of three, say Mephibosheth. One, two, three. Okay, let's do it again. Mephibosheth. Okay, good. Now, if I mispronounce it the rest of the time and trip over it, we're all good, okay? So just, it says, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Verse 11, then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my Lord commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Father, today, I pray as we walk through these verses that God, again, you would open our hearts to a principle in scripture that we see here. It's kind of an odd, maybe obscure story that would help us understand, God, the power of stepping back, reflecting, and expressing the gratitude that you would ask each of us to express in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's David. And David remembers back as he's stopping and, and, and reflecting on all that's gone on, remembers back to this great friendship that he had with Jonathan. And they made an agreement back in 1 Samuel where Jonathan said, if anything happens to me, take care of my family. And David said, absolutely, I will. And as David's reflecting, he's going, you know what? I need to make good on my ability to be, you know, express gratitude for all that Jonathan did. So he finds this guy, Ziba, and Ziba's a, you know, Saul's, you know, previous assistant. Ziba shows up and David says, is there anybody from the house of Saul? Now I want you to notice what Ziba's response is. There is a son. He's lame in both feet. I'm thinking, excuse me, but why does he have to say he's lame in both feet? And maybe is it so, so David realizes, look, this guy is not a, a benefit to you. This guy can't do anything for you. This guy's maybe going to be more of a burden than a blessing. I mean, do you really want that around? And honestly, when you look at later on in Samuel, who Ziba is, he's kind of a shady dude. So whatever his reason is, what I love is David's like, look, I'm not bringing up this issue so I can get something out of him. I'm simply wanting to express gratitude. So his response to the whole, he's lame in both feet is this. Where is he? Go get him. And so he goes and, and gets Mephibosheth. Now, keep in mind, Mephibosheth is in some obscure place. The whole idea here is that he's in some obscure place, and it's, it's for one of two reasons. He's either been tossed aside because of this disability, or he's maybe been put in hiding, knowing that if the current king finds out that there is an heir to the throne still alive, he would maybe want him killed, and they're just simply trying to spare 
his life. Whatever that motive might be, we don't specifically know, but we do understand that when Mephibosheth shows up, that's why he's scared to death. I've been found out and it's possible he'll want me killed so that there's no competition for the throne at any point. And so I love that Mephibosheth shows up and and literally comes before David and David goes, Mephibosheth. And he says, at your service, but he doesn't say it like, at your service. He's like, at your service, like, you're gonna kill me? Is this my moment? Am I about to breathe my last here? And I love David's response is this, don't be afraid. I mean, you can imagine. However, Mephibosheth got there whether he was carried into David's presence or he had some sort of crutch system where he hobbled in or drug himself in or was wheeled in. We don't really know, but what a moment for David who honestly just wants to express gratitude towards Jonathan and now he gets to do that with Mephibosheth. So instead of being afraid, David alleviates his fear. And then he goes on to say, he says, don't be afraid for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. It would have been kind enough for David just to simply go, my kindness is this. I know you're here and I'm gonna let you live. That would have been plenty. Just the fact that he would let him survive would have been kindness. But what I love is that David takes it even further than that. He says, for surely I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore, listen to this, all the land that that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, which by the way, would not have been a half an acre. I mean, we're talking a lot of land. He says, your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. This This is not just kindness. This is David reflecting on his deep, gratitude and he's moved to action for how grateful he is. And he not only says, you get to survive, you get to have all your land back on top of you having the land. Since you are crippled, you're going to need people to work the land. And I got Ziba who used to work for your grandfather. All of his sons and all of his servants are going to work the land for you and provide for you. And you can imagine Mephibosheth, see, I knew I was going to do it. You can imagine Mephibosheth being like, that's amazing. And David's like, no, no, I'm not done. It's like those infomercials you see like at 11 at night or whatever. Like you can get one of these, but if you call now, you can get two of these. But wait, there's more. You're like, there's more? When do I call? You know, call within the next five minutes and you get 70,000 of these things. You're like, awesome. Anyway, so that's kind of like this, but you can imagine Mephibosheth is probably already over the moon about all that he's about to get. And David ends it with this. And you will always eat at my table. Now for some of us, we go, big deal. I mean, great, he gets to eat with the king. That's neat. But first of all, I want you to understand that that, that this whole idea that he gets to eat at the table is more than just being gracious, more than just being kind. This is, and we talk about it as a church all the time, irrational generosity. David is modeling it right here, but when you look forward in the text in verse 11, it says this, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. It's far more than just simply your get to live. Far more than, yeah, yeah, here's some stuff I'll provide. You get all this land. 
far more than just having a spot at the table. I love that the picture is beyond irrationally generous, like one of the king's sons. That picture blows me away. Because what is Mephibosheth's response to this? Who am I that you should notice a dead dog like me? And that's where for all of us, I wanna simply remind us that, that in the lives that you and I live, it's easy to size people up or put people in certain categories and we kind of look down on those people and that group of people or that type of person or that individual. And we've got to be careful because even with Ziba, who kind of tries to toss him aside for whatever reason, David won't have it. And I believe in the same way, when you look at the message of the gospel, God would not have us looking down our nose at people that don't have the same moral standard as you, at people that don't live the same way as you, at people that have dealt with an addiction but haven't overcome maybe like you did, and you think to yourself, why can't they just get over it? Why can't they just stop doing it? And all of a sudden, you put yourself in a better light than they're in. The gospel message, the work of Christ is for every single person alive. And we've got to be careful that we don't simply throw people in compartments in life and kind of judge those and look up to those and I want to be like that, but boy, I got to, you know, look, look, don't, don't offer hope to them. We've got to be careful that our actions don't do that. Because even Mephibosheth felt it. I'm a dead dog. Nobody believes in me, I've been tossed aside. I've been out in hiding. I've been tucked over in this corner of the world in the middle of nowhere. And you know what? On the other hand, on the other part of the equation, maybe it's you. And, and maybe for you, it's this. I feel like a dead dog. Life didn't play out the way you wanted it to. Things didn't happen in the way that you hoped they would. You feel like you've been tossed aside because your family doesn't care like you wish they would. Maybe in your marriage, you feel like your spouse isn't giving you the attention you need. Maybe, whatever it might be, you feel overwhelmed. You go, I'm just a piece of meat. God, are you really there? Do you really care that much? Do you remember? And maybe you feel that way today. And what I love is part of understanding this story is that it's a story of redemption. It takes us right back to who Jesus is to care about you, to pay the price for you, to never give up on you. And for you to realize that I believe that, that the Lord's a prayer away at any moment of our lives, no matter how much stuff has piled up, no matter how many miles you feel there is between you, that God is right there with us. And maybe you just need to hear that today. In the world we live in that can make us feel so insignificant, so worthless. People that can say the meanest things and maybe it isn't to your face, but you read it on Facebook and you feel like trash. That God does care. That we need to remember that he's a redeemer, not just for them, but for us. Mephibosheth bows down and says, what, what am I that you should notice a dead dog like me? And David, again, summons Ziba and says, hey, this is all that needs to happen. To me, it's an amazing moment. But where does it come from? Why did David do this? Because he took the time to step back 
and reflect on all that had gone on in his life and to look, he's the king and he's got people around him. He's talking to them about all that happened and he's thinking about Jonathan and all of a sudden it rises up inside of him. I've got to do something for all that Jonathan did for me. And that's where for you and I, I love that in a few days from now, we're gonna celebrate Thanksgiving. And we're going to get together and you're going to have turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes and pumpkin pie and rolls and whatever else you put. And we're going to have a huge nap in the afternoon and you have more in the evening and more the next morning and more for five days after that. And it's going to be incredible. But we all know that the holiday wasn't really about all the food, although it's amazing. And it's not just one day that you and I stop and give thanks. But the fact is, we're going to gather many of us around tables this week. And there's going to be a whole spread of stuff. And you're going to use China that nobody ever uses except once a year. (laughs) And somebody's going to stop and go, hey, before we dig in, why don't we say thanks? And that's great. But what if you took it a step further? Instead of just stopping and going, God, thanks for the food, which you should do. And we see as a pattern over and over, Jesus and in the New Testament, they would stop and break bread and give thanks. But what if you took it a step further this year? And what if you took the time? And maybe before the food's on the table, or maybe after you eat so it doesn't get cold, you stopped and said, hey, why don't we just go around and why doesn't each of us maybe say something we're grateful for? Why why don't we agree that you can't repeat anything? So you can't say, well, what he said, ching, you know, make a toast. You got to come up with something new. So if somebody says, man, I'm just grateful for family, ting, ting, great, now I can't say that one. And then you go and you, you come up with different things you're thankful for and really realize that there are millions of reasons to be thankful. There really are. But on top of that, for you and I to stop and realize that gratitude unexpressed is gratitude wasted. And every one of us, every single one of us have people in our lives that we ought to be grateful for. And maybe it's people that you think of yesterday, this happened and I should thank them. Or man, last week that happened, I should thank them. Or maybe for some of you, it was summertime or last spring, or or maybe it was years ago. Think about David and David is long gone. This is a long stretch from, from when Jonathan died. And David is established as king and he's stopping and thinking back. And while he can't thank Jonathan and express his gratitude to Jonathan, he finds his son. Is there somebody in your life that maybe they're gone today? But what if you stopped and realized there's somebody still surviving from that family and you went, you know what? I need to send a message to them because I really appreciated their dad. I appreciated their mom. I appreciated their sister or their brother or somebody. Can you imagine if you stopped to say thank you? And and it may not be that it revolutionizes the world, but what if, just what if that person is stopping and we all have these moments where we literally wonder, am I making any difference? Does anybody care? Has my life ever been about anything for you to send them a card Send them a text message. Actually make a phone call. Boast about them on Facebook. Say, hey, could we meet face to face? How that could encourage somebody that maybe needs it. 
See, I mentioned a little bit ago that you and I live in a world that can be so divisive. People out there that on, on Facebook, it's amazing you're stuck in reading comments and, and pretty soon you're addicted to all the comments. Like, oh, that's mean. What did they reply with? Oh, that's mean too. What did they reply with? Ooh, this is getting really ugly. And you put up the little, uh, little gif that's a guy eating popcorn like, you've seen those. I know you have. But oh my word, how divisive can this world be? How ugly can this world get? I happened to get to go to a Seahawks game this last week based on the generosity of, of a couple that gave Heather and I tickets. So we go to a game and I'm sitting there, we're enjoying the game and the guy sitting next to me, um, we spark up a, a conversation. And he's like, hey man, how you doing? Where are you from? I go, I'm north of here, up there, Lake Stevens area. Uh, that's our address, we live in Lake Stevens. Anyway, um, up there, oh yeah, I said, where are you from? I'm from Saskatchewan. I go, Saskatchewan? What are you doing here? He goes, I'm working down in Vancouver, but that's where I live and, and, and stuff. And so literally within seconds after that, he goes, so can I ask you, who did you vote for? No, 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 I, let me say it. He said it this way. Hey, did you vote for Trump? <laughs> that's what he asked me. I'm thinking, are you just trying to like start fights? I mean, what, what is the motive here? And he literally said, because I just don't get it. And, and we had this conversation where I'm literally in my mind going, look, we're going to talk a little bit about this, but what are you trying to do? Like, if you want to have a fight at a Seahawks game, there are a million other people that will fight with you. But that way he like tries to corner me like, did you vote for Trump? Because I just don't get it. I'm like, oh my word, dude, like Saskatchewan, what, what are we doing? People all over the place fishing for reasons to get mad at each other. People all over the place looking for reasons to not like you because you don't agree with them. People all over that carry this chip on their shoulder that somehow we all have to believe the same and act the same and be wired the same and do the same things with all the same resources we have and then we can like each other. And yet when you look at this conversation about gratitude, I happen to believe that this is part of the solution to a world that's so divisive. To live grateful to express gratitude, to be gracious towards people because of all the ways that we're blessed. I love how William Arthur Ward, he's an author, he's got all kinds of inspirational uh, things he's written, but, but I love this quote from him. He says, as feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a gift and not giving it. Feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a gift and not giving it. Let me ask you this. Is it possible that you're grateful, but inactive? You feel grateful, but you haven't expressed it. You feel grateful, but life's busy and you haven't had time to, to sit back and go, boy, I really need to say something. I really need to do something. Gratitude unexpressed is gratitude wasted? What, what if all David did in, in reflecting on Jonathan was write in his journal, super grateful for that guy, sorry he's gone, but did nothing? I wouldn't have to say Mephibosheth today. But, but we wouldn't have this story of amazing grace offered because David wouldn't have actually done anything. And I think in the same way for you and I, is it possible that your gratitude expressed could actually help somebody in life? Could actually cause people to see differently? Because one of the things I feel like I guarantee is this, if you get better at expressing gratitude rather than holding it in, it can change you. 
Because there's something different about somebody that lives grateful. I know this is a really, really, really dumb example, but I was driving home the other day behind somebody that was just going like 10 under. And inside, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, there's a speed limit sign right there. We just passed it. I'm like, honk, honk. That's right in the window, like, I, you know, you feel it. I feel, but you know what I did? I, I backed off. I wasn't riding them, but I decided I'm going to back off a little ways. And I literally forced myself to think this. I'm just glad I'm not walking. And I'm, I'm not kidding. And this was a cure all every time, but, but the rest of the drive home was fine. Like, big deal. At least I don't have to walk. Grateful that I get to drive. And so for me, it's a dumb, easy example. But it's this idea of of instead of of, of just living like it's all about you and your world and what you ought to do, what about looking through the lens of other people that have been a blessing to you and actually saying something? It's the leper from the message last week in Luke 17, the one that came back and expressed gratitude. It's Mephibosheth because later in the story, Mephibosheth gets to eat at King David's table and he's treated like a son and it's amazing. But another point, David goes to war and he doesn't interact with Mephibosheth for a little bit here. And he says to Ziba, hey, what's up with Mephibosheth? What's going on? I haven't seen him. And Ziba twists the whole story and says, he turned on you and he's plotting for the kingship. And he goes, fine, everything that's Mephibosheth is now yours, Ziba, take it all. He lied, Ziba was lying. Later on, David comes in contact with Mephibosheth. He says, and, and, and honestly, Mephibosheth, it says, looks disheveled and unkept and hadn't shaved, was just a mess. And David sees him, he's like, Mephibosheth, like, what is wrong? Why are you like this? He says, my Lord, the King, you've been at war and I've been stressed for you. I don't have time to care about myself. You wanna talk about what gratitude expressed can do? Mephibosheth was loyal, even though at that point he had everything taken away from him. And then he says, he says to, to, to Ziba, you, you, know, you lied to me, tell you what, you guys divide the property. And Ziba, Mephibosheth says, I don't care about the property. He can have it all. I'm just glad you're okay. What does that have to do with this story? What does that have to do with you and me? It's this idea that, that when you express gratitude, like, like Mephibosheth, it changes people. But what I love is that gratitude expressed, I think, changes us first. That when we live that way, instead of jumping on being divisive, arguing with people who don't agree about whatever, what about the idea that we live grateful? Who deserves your appreciation? To whom have you not yet showed gratitude for helping you through a tough time, for doing you a simple favor? for getting you to where you are today because none of us did it alone. I don't care if you're the, I pulled up my own bootstraps and made myself a life because no one else, it's not true. So here's what I wanna do when I, as we end today. I want you to grab a, a, a Grove Church pen out of your purse, all 14 of them if you need to. <clears throat> or I want you to go out to your car and get them out of your dash where there's four or eight or nine or drive home and get them out of the, the drawer that everything gets you shoved into and Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a pen. If you got one in your purse, great. If you, there should be some there in the seat in front of you. Before you leave today, when we talk about gratitude, my hope would be that for all of us, a name comes to mind. 
And maybe literally it was a 10 year ago, boy, 10 years ago, but I never really said anything. And, and maybe it's a card in the mail, or maybe it's a text saying thanks, or maybe it's, it's a, a shout out on Facebook, man, I appreciate them so much. Or maybe it's literally saying to somebody, can we just meet face to face? Because I think that can mean a lot for people. And for you to go, can I just say something? A while back you did this and maybe I didn't say it right. I just wanna say thank you so much for that. And here's what it meant to me. And I can't tell you, I'm sorry for, for not saying it sooner, but that was a big deal in my life. I want you to write down a name and maybe it's two names. I'm gonna limit you at three. If it's more than three, stop it, okay? Just kidding. But prioritize. And the reason I say three is because what people do is oh, I'm gonna write down a list of 50 names and it'll never happen. Here's 40 people I should be grateful for. Stop. Just write down one or two or three and in the next couple of days before Thanksgiving, I want you to do something to express your gratitude. Whatever that might be, whatever that needs to look like. But literally right now, I want you to write down those names. If you need to borrow your neighbor's pen, just say, hey, I don't have a pen. Can I borrow that? And if it's a Grove Church pen, just tuck it in your purse and leave. Write down a name. Jesus, today, God, I pray that even as we look at this story in scripture, it's kind of obscure, but it, it really shows us that God, it's a powerful thing to be irrationally generous. But especially when we look at this idea of gratitude and, and what an amazing thing for this guy to, oh, I could let you live and that'd be great. That's generous. It's amazingly generous to say, hey, they're gonna take care of your land and provide for you the rest of your life. But because I loved your dad like crazy and we were great friends, I want you to eat at my table. That the power of gratitude really can't be understated. And my prayer is that we would all learn to live saying what we're grateful for, expressing what we need to. And especially the next couple of days, this afternoon, writing out the card, buying a stamp, sending it, putting together the email, making the phone call, figuring out how to meet face-to-face. God, it may not be the solution to all the world's problems, but God, if we lived in gratitude and expressed it, I believe it can change a lot, including ourselves in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you wanna keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.